Welcome back to the VCM and AM Season 2. I'm your host, Zach, and with me today is our captain at the helm, Rodney Norville. Hey, everybody. Today, we are digging into a topic requested by our senior class, finances and the Bible. Ooh. <laughs> ah. What does the Bible say about finances? How do we do them? I'm scared I have money and I don't know what to do with it now. <laughs> at least you have money. That's, That's right. Start, right? That's right. <laughs> That's right. So these questions that we'll be answering today are from college students themselves that have come and talked to us about this, or even from graduates that have come back to us and, and, and asked us questions about this. So today's going to be structured a little different than we usually do it. So we'll talk a few scripture verses here and there, mostly debunking how they're not about how to actually use money well. In a way, You'll just see what I mean when we get there. <laughs> well, Jesus just uses money as a teaching tool. That's he right. knows that everybody needs it, wants it, and uses it. And so often he uses a story about money because they're like, oh, yeah, I know how to spend. I know or, money, or, yeah. And so, but usually the basic point is not the money itself. He's he's getting a point that's a, above that. Yeah, totally agree. That's what I was trying to say, but that was way, <laughs> way more eloquently <laughs> said. So we're going to structure it with a little bit of scriptures, and then we're going to jump into a bunch of question and answer that are going to be some popcorn here and there. It's not going to offend us at all. If you want to pause, come back, skip over, whatever you need to do to catch the question that you requested or that you wanted to hear the answer to. So let's dive in. Rodney, what are some scriptures we need to talk about today? I think right off the bat, you know, one of the questions is to save or not save how we use our money, the tool that it is. And so two scripture passage that I kind of contrast in the study is Luke 12, in which, uh, you know, the rich fool is like, he's got this huge harvest and he's like, oh, my harvest is so big, I can't even fit it <laughs> yeah. in my barn. So he's like, well, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger barns so that I can hold all my harvest. Right. The problem with that is, in the story, he dies that night and nobody gets anything that he saved up. Oops. And so, you know, Jesus is kind of making the point here about like how we worry about things and how we try to control our future. And mm. God's basically saying you can't control your future. You can manage it, maybe make some wise decisions, which you should with money. Mm -hmm. But you're not going to be able to control every circumstance and situation that you find yourself in. Yeah, I totally agree. I think wisdom plays a huge part in this, but I'll let you continue. Well, and the other contrast to that is the parable of the ten minas which is in luke 19 and that's a parable in which jesus like well the god figure i guess in the story gives people money and then leaves and then he comes back and he says what did you do and one person says well i doubled it you know and the next yeah. person had a smaller amount but he also doubled it and the last person said well i just buried it in the ground i didn't do anything with it and so in the parable, he's called a wicked servant and says, mm -hmm. you know, you didn't even do anything with what I had given you. And that, again, is not so much about money as it's about God's investment in you. It's There's mm -hmm. a level of accountability. There's a level of God's kingdom in that, that parable. And so I guess you could say, yeah, that parable is about you should make your money work for you. Mm -hmm. Um in essence, because he's like, at least you could have put it on the in the bank so it gain interest. Yeah. Um, but it's really about... Jesus coming back and what we've done with what he's given us. Oh, yeah. And I think that what you said was really good when you said um, 
money oftentimes is used as a tool or even by Jesus as a method to get people's attention for something else. Right. Because we all know that money holds our attention so highly. <laughs> it is. I mean, the New Testament mentions money over 55 times in the New Testament. And wow. Those aren't all directly like, this is how to use your money. Yeah. But those are advice on money or their stories containing money in it. Oh, 100%. So we even can see that like with Jesus' crew himself, there were guys that were 100% low uh, white, uh, excuse me, wow, <laughs> very low blue collar workers like fishermen. Fisherman. And there was also very high white collar workers like tax collectors that okay. are in there too. So there is a mixture there. It's not necessarily saying yeah. that money's all bad. Like exactly like you said, money's a tool here. And Jesus knew and used it as a tool while he was here too. He even guided people that were in his 12 disciples to like use that as a tool to provide for himself and for everybody else around them as they would move from place to place. Not to mention, I know that this is more of a... Um, Bible history thing, but it's rumored that Nicodemus was somebody that really financially supported Jesus' ministry as it went about, but never really was seen as like a forefront character in the story, at least until he was buried. Yeah, It's important, like you said, um, to say that Jesus seemed to have friends at different financial levels, yeah. and he never seemed to gravitate to only one and look down on another yeah jesus was often with the poor he was often healing people who were sick he, so he wasn't really somebody who was living in the upper echelons of society by the same token if you read very carefully in scriptures jesus had benefactors who were taking care of he and his disciples yeah. often we never have one occasion in the new testament even though we call him a carpenter's son where jesus was earning a living yeah. so to speak he was a teacher that kind of roamed the countryside and depended upon other people maybe like mary martha and lazarus yeah. uh, seemed to be a family he stayed with you mentioned nicodemus uh, i think there are probably several others that he depended upon basically for food housing and shelter yeah and i think that it's important for us to say that i don't think that he took advantage of them but i think that in his deity he was able to see like yeah they are generous enough of a person that they could handle me asking. Yeah. The one that we do have seemed to take advantage of money as the example of Judas. Yeah. Because yeah. it said basically he kept the purse for the disciples, which is kind of funny that you think about the disciples all being together and they had like a common purse yeah. uh, to pay for things or whatever. And it said he was he snipped out of stuff what he wants, what he wanted. Yeah. And so that was kind of frowned upon. But it's funny that we don't have Jesus being the leader was actually in charge of the money bag for the disciples. Yeah, I do find that funny. I also find it funny that Matthew wasn't in charge of the money. I mean, he was a tax collector. Yes. He would have had to <laughs> been good with money. Anyway, that's just me. Maybe they didn't trust him because he's a tax collector. That could be. It could be. <laughs> okay, so some common questions that we've had come up. Parables talking about money. Do they always talk about money? It's often something else. It's yeah. the underlying story. Just the two examples we started out. You could say one is about saving and one is about not saving, which is a general good thing to kind of maybe take from those scriptures. But the scriptures themselves really point to a greater story than just that. Um, there's several others that I always like to give kind of a quiz to. You know, people say money is the root of all evil. Yeah. That's not a complete scripture. It's <gasps> 
the love of money is the root of all evil, you know? And then uh, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth Mm -hmm. where like rust, moths and everything can eat and destroy and everything. But where are we supposed to store up those treasures? In heaven. That's what we're supposed to do is look at God's economy and what God wants us to invest our lives in. Um, the Bible also says, you know, Matthew, don't you, and just, this is Jesus sermon on the Mount. You can't serve both God and money. You got to decide between the two, you know, who you're going to follow. I love this one that really trips up a lot of people in Luke uh, 16, nine, it says, use worldly wealth to gain friends. And you're like, well, that seems like manipulation. (laughs) And Jesus is saying, no, it's like you have this tool at your disposal. Use it wisely. Yeah. And so take care of people, make friends with your money while you have that. I always think that's kind of a, a funny I think that's funny example. too, yeah. I think that what we're kind of bridging on is that a lot of people like to view it either this way or that way. But like we've said a hundred different times on this podcast, Jesus is often found in between two thieves. So you can't go too far one way. You can't go too far the other. What we really find is a both and approach. Yes, money is a tool and we need to use it, but it's not evil yeah at its core uh, the uh, students in life groups right now are loving the study on ecclesiastes which is yeah. a little bit pessimistic <laughs> in and of itself but you know i mean one of the things ecclesiastes ten nineteen says money's the answer to everything of course we think this is solomon who wrote mm-hmm. ecclesiastes and solomon was incredibly wealthy yeah. um but you know again as a tool it can solve problems mm-hmm. but it can also create a lot of problems. Oh, 100%. So here's some different questions that kind of come off the off the back wall. What is the difference between Old Testament tithing and New Testament giving? Uh, yeah, don't try to use that as an excuse because you're really going <laughs> to wind up in the wrong place. The Old Testament is very clear, uh, and, and a lot of the uh, Pentateuch, the earliest books, like talk about all these offerings that are given to God, all mm-hmm. these things, and a tenth of your spices, a tenth of your, you know, wealth and then first fruits and so it was an old testament concept that was really kind of passed down um through the jews that they should give a tenth of everything that they earn or have to god that should be an offering to him um and then the new testament comes along and people are like well that kind of canceled out the old covenant yeah. now we live under the new covenant well the new covenant really doesn't get you off the hook because it basically says everything is god yeah god's he owns everything And God's just allowing you to live off of that. And so as a reflection of how much you love God can be in how much you give back to God Mm -hmm. already what is his. And so you look at that way and think like, I should give everything. And that's really what the the New Testament message, I should give everything. Yeah. And then God will provide whatever I need. Let him provide for my needs. And so uh, we still continue today the idea in the church is is a 10% tithe off what you earn mm-hmm. or what you have to give that back to God as a way of saying thank you. But the Bible also says like to be generous. The New Testament talks about generosity mm-hmm. and taking care of people. And so, you know, you're giving to charity, for example, to take care of the poor or benevolent offerings or anything are like over and above your tithe. They're not like a part of it. Yeah. And also, along with tithing, is the concept of, like, this is already God's, so it's not up Mm -hmm. to you to put stipulations on it and to utilize it or demand that it's used in a way that you want it to. It's really something that you are 
breaking the power of money over by giving it away. Yeah. Just saying, I don't, this is God's. This is not mine. This is God's. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think even looking at, you made me think of a bunch of different um, Levitical Old Testament stuff about like different types of offerings, different kinds of peace offerings, different kinds of like fellowship offerings. And not only that, they were called to, whenever a stranger would come into their town to completely drop everything and take care of them and hospitality yeah and so like all of those are still types of giving that would take place and so i think really where we're getting at is that we like to get the least common denominator and say okay 10 yeah. percent is the easiest thing <laughs> oh and then you get fathom. the real sticklers like the accountants are like is that on the gross or is that on the yeah net? which one is that and again i'm like you know first of all you probably need to pray about that um but Go over and above. You yeah. know, think about going over and above. Yeah, and I, I I totally agree. And I think even from the Old Testament, that's where they like that's what they were called to do. I mean, in every season and every aspect and every action they had, there was something that either needed to be sacrificed or a person that needed to be taken care of and it and, and it wove the community together in a in a more tight knit way. Right. And I wonder if we wouldn't see a little bit more of that. In the church today, if we got to see a little bit more generosity pouring out of God's people. But that might be too much meddling for this <laughs> this podcast today. So another one that we've had come up was, how much should I spend on an engagement ring? <laughs> so, like... <laughs> Way left field. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a total switch there. Like, I, I often use Dave Ramsey and, and like quote Dave Ramsey and stuff like that because I do think he's a pretty good financial guru that really claims Christ. And so I want to, you know, to honor that. And a lot of this is up to you, but what I would say for an engagement ring, and I even think what is kind of suggested by him is a month's salary. So whatever you're making in one month, that is probably something that you can save up and then spend on an engagement ring. But a lot of folks who are listening to your podcast, you guys are college students. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, no salary for a month is no salary and no ring. And you look at that and sometimes you're, like, disappointed. And what I would say is there's nothing wrong with a starter ring of getting something that's, a you know, a promise ring that isn't yeah. what you want to be. I mean, if you're a doctor, lawyer, engineer, we're UT, so we're going to have lots of engineers – you're gonna make money someday. It's just not right now. But you yeah. want to get in married. You want to get married. You don't want to go into debt to do that. You want to save your best. And so there's nothing wrong with getting a smaller ring and saying, "Hey, you know, on our fifth anniversary, tenth, twenty fifth, whatever anniversary, like we're gonna upgrade yeah. to something that's really nicer and in, in accordance with our lifestyle." But right now, like I love you and I want to get married, and this is a token of yeah. of that commitment to you. And so. Yeah, rule of thumb, about a month's salary. But if you have nothing, don't go into debt a whole lot to do that. Oh, yeah. Get something small and then upgrade. I totally at agree. And our anniversary, which I would be totally sweet. Agree. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that if you're already thinking about marriage, you're already playing the long game. So why not do that with your money too? Mm-hmm. Play the long game here. Don't yeah. put yourself under to make a grand gesture and then go, oh no. Right. We have to go to Gatlinburg for our... Honeymoon, or you know, we have to gotta say, not like, to knock Gallagher. I think this is with all wealth, whether that's cars, houses, um, rings, whatever that may be. Um, wealth is fleeting. Mm-hmm. You can lose wealth. You can drive that, you know, BMW off the lot and be in a car wreck, and then you're still owing what you owed on that car. Yep. Uh, you know, or you can have a ring and you can go, which is often happen uh, uh you know on your honeymoon and lose it 
And so, you know, you have to think about that too. Like don't spend things on luxury, money on luxuries that may or may not be with you tomorrow. Yeah. Houses can be hit by tornadoes or floods and other things like that. So think about that in the grand scheme of things. Don't put all of your eggs or your financial things in one basket because you can lose it. Yeah, 100%. So in that same vein, what if as a college student, I don't make any money and I can't afford tithe? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I would say when we're talking tithing, and the Old Testament's pretty clear about this, even though it usually mentions material things, but what it's mentioning is what you have, because that's what yeah. they had. They had goats, they had grain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, these are the kind of things. Most people yep. were farmers or agriculture, so there wasn't a paycheck coming in in their, their day and age. In our day and age, paychecks come in. That's yep. how we make stuff, and most of us don't have a flock of goats around that we're you know. most of us. But, you know, most of us. There's somebody out there, right? <laughs> no, well, what I would say, it's what you have. Yeah. So what does a college student have? Well, for one thing, um, they've got a back and they've got hands and they can do things. Mm-hmm. They have time. They have uh, their minds. Mm-hmm. These are all things that you can tie to God and you can say, I'm going to give a portion of what he's given me, you know, physically and health wise and other things like that to give back. So I would say in terms of that is like, sure, you, you don't have a paycheck. That's okay. But think about, you know, like one day a week volunteering for a nonprofit or at your church or doing something. And that's a way of giving back and, and doing that. We have a lot of people, mm. um, two that are older and when you get older you don't necessarily have the back you have the finances yeah. but one time thing that uh, old people often do is they pray Yeah. and I encourage our young people to do that too like hey I can't go on this mission trip because I've got this responsibility or something like that well you can pray mm-hmm. and you can dedicate time and set time aside to pray so that's another thing that you can tithe and give words of encouragement are huge in our world yeah. we're pretty pessimistic about a lot of stuff you may not have money but you can write notes of encouragement or just say, I'm going to call 10 people today and just say, you're the best in the world. I love you. Keep going. You can do it. That is an awesome great gift idea. Yeah. to a person that is also like giving something back to God. Because when you do it to the least of these, you do it to him. Yeah. And so like think in terms of those things, because huh, the disciples often said, you know, Gold and silver have I none, but what I have I give to you, yeah, which was the yeah. Holy Spirit, you know, because they were saying, I'll, I'll teach you the gospel, I'll show yeah. you the gospel. And that's what they had, and that's what they shared. Yeah, and how much more valuable than money are all those things? Like, a, yeah. a good word at a good time is so much more valuable than a bar of gold to somebody, you know? Like, yeah. just, I mean, we could probably quote five Proverbs on just yeah. that yeah. alone. So, another question, because I have nothing to add, and that was, that was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> What if I don't agree with how my church uses money? Yeah. Um, again, gifts and offerings are not for you to determine yeah. how they're used or what they go to. Now, don't get me wrong. If your church or your pastor or someone is being unethical with how they're spending money, that needs to be called out and they need to be held accountable for that. Yep. But if their choices are just to spend it differently than you would spend it, then I would say you need to learn uh, a lesson of submitting to authority. Mm -hmm. So if you choose to be a part of a church and there's a senior uh, pastor and a lead team that are discussing how budget is spent and how finances are spent and stuff like that, and you're like, man, I would have spent more on this area, which often is the area that we're a part of in the ministry. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I was spent less in this area, which is often the area that we are not a part of in the ministry. Yeah. You know, like you have to look at that and say, there are times when I'm going to submit to the authority. Yeah. The truth is when you give that money to God, who's really you're tithing to, you're not tithing to just this organization, the yeah. church, the bride, yeah. but you're tithing to God, then it's his to use as he sees fit. And I think it's a really, you know, uh, the prophet Malachi said, you're stealing from me. Like God said, you're mm. stealing from me. And it's because people were withholding their givings because maybe they didn't approve of it or they didn't like the leadership. And that's really an unethical, sinful, I mean, the Bible just calls it out, sinful thing yeah. to do is to say, I'm not going to give my tithe because I don't believe in God's servants. Yeah. The tithe is to God. And if you don't believe in God's servants who are receiving the funds, like a church or something, mm-hmm. I say you really need to move. Like you really yeah. need to move to a location where you can submit to their authority and you can trust how that's being spent. But yeah. you can't withhold it. I mean, God really says you're stealing when you do that. Oh, yeah. You're also trying to manipulate and control God. That's really unhealthy and unwise. Yeah. Careful there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People die for less than that <laughs> in, the, in the Bible. That's absolutely so. true. Absolutely I mean, true. we can even talk about the story of Ananias and Sapphira. They, they withheld yeah. what they should have been giving. Yeah. I mean, they could have just been honest about what they were giving. They right. didn't find right. But they lied about Which, it. Which, again, is a story. I'm glad you brought that one up. It's one of the stories that we reference. And it, it seems to be about giving, but it was the lying about yep. the giving. I think if Ananias and Sapphira would have come clean and said, hey, like, we want to give as much as we can. We're giving, yeah. you know, 80% of what we sold to you guys, but we're going to keep 20 back because we're just a little nervous and scared about our futures. And I think the apostles would have said, God bless you. Thank you. That's yeah. fine. But 100%. instead, Peter specifically asked, is this the amount that you got for the field? And they said, yes. And he was like, you lied. You lied. <laughs> you lied. Yeah. <laughs> Calls them out yeah. and they die. And they also wanted to look more holy than they were, to be honest. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, we're going to look like all the people that are giving everything, but we're not really going to give everything. Man, isn't that how we use our money in a lot of different areas, that we spend it to look how we want other people to oh, see yeah. us, you know? Yeah. Anyway, and that's another tangent. Let's well, status has been back. with us since the beginning. Yeah. You know, like, they weren't... That was something that was still going on in Old Testament times. You, you can tell status was important. Oh, yeah. Um, how people dressed, what houses they lived in, uh, all those kind of things. What kind of goat skin scandals they were wearing that day. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I love it. So, in a more practical sense, what does a healthy budget look like? Well, I think the biblical principle that I, I want to say before we even get into yeah, budget is living within the margins. Mm. Like... We are so busy with our lives right now that we just live full out. And there's a lot to be said for that. People are like, yeah, man, live life to the fullest. But financially, we often live without, outside of our means. We have no margin. Yeah. One of the things Dave Ramsey says, even in creating a budget, is let's get an emergency fund you know, yeah. set aside. So if there is something that happens, the margins are going to protect us from basically being homeless or out on the street. And so I just want to say financially, you should always live within your means, live within your harvest, create some margins in your life till you're not spending every last penny of that. So that if there's an emergency, you're going to be okay. 
And so margins are a huge thing that I want everybody to talk about yeah. when they come up with a budget and when they come up with how they're going to spend their money and what they're going to do. Um, but budget-wise... Wait, you mean we have to have boundaries around our money just like we have boundaries yeah. around our relationships? Just like we have boundaries... Yeah. Anyway, I'll, I'll stop. Now, <laughs> I mean, the chief boundary in the example of that, I just draw right from the Ten Commandments right off the bat. Jesus said six days work, and on the seventh day you need to rest. Yeah, because he knew physically we needed boundaries. Mm -hmm. He knew physically we needed a margin in our life, and so he's like, you know, six days a week, like use your muscles, use your brain, get out there, you know, like do it all. But he's like, on the seventh day, let's keep that holy. Let's keep that a margin in our life, and let's say this is designated to God, and let's rest on that day, and let's meditate on God on that day and let's read his word on that day mm. and stuff like that. So there's margins there. And I think we'd have to take that in all our areas of life. And, yeah. and finances is also that way. Um, and I would say, you know, cause you're thinking, Oh, money's a tool. Even with our tools, we're still praying with to God, how to use those. That's right. Even with our tools, we're saying, you know, God, how help me know how much to give and what I should, what I should give yeah. and what I should do. I mean, you don't so, take an ax and you just, get a blindfold and start swinging <laughs> you may hit the side of your house you may hit, you know whatever anyway go on budget help right. us out so budget like just using some rules of thumb from dave ramsey and these are ones where it's nobody told me these things when i was in school uh luckily i had people who did give me some solid advice for different things but let's start with probably the biggest uh expense you're going to have in your lifetime and that is your housing mm-hmm. that's where you live and Dave would say between 25 and 35% of your budget is going to go toward housing of some kind. I can remember the first time that I shopped for a house and the realtors were like, oh man, you qualify for this house, like, you know, so big. And I'm like, I don't need that much house. <laughs> yeah. And nor do I want to spend like half or more of my paycheck on the house. Yeah. And so Dave's like, let's, let's live within our budget. Think about what you make. 25, 35%. Uh, housing is very expensive right now in Knoxville, so it's going to sway things a little bit, even yeah. for an apartment. But, you know, start out small and it's easy to get big. Um, on top of that, you're going to have utilities. Uh, most of the yep. time, as college students, your parents have paid those or they're included in your fee at campus or even in your apartment. Oftentimes, they're included. Yep. But you're going to need 10, 5 to 10% of your budget is going to go to those utilities and also be very careful about reoccurring fees a lot of things that you guys like and put in your budget are things like i want quick wi-fi so i want yep. to pay for an internet you know provider yeah um i or love netflix my music so Hulu, i've got yeah. netflix and spotify and yep. you know and so quickly you've got all these monthly charges that lump into your yeah. utilities that are there so you need to be very careful about those subscriptions and live within your means again. And that also means be conscious. You know, with utilities, it's really easy to learn to shut doors and windows. Parents Mm -hmm. are made fun of because they're like, turn off the lights, you're not in the room. You know, turn off the TV, you weren't even watching it. You know, turn off. And they know it's because it it does cost money. When you're not paying for it, you don't think about it. But when you're paying for it, you know, the 45-minute shower may not be the ultimate thing to do. (laughs) Right, right, right. (laughs) Using all the hot water. Um, Food is super important. And I would say, especially when you're younger and if you're single, food will be a substantial part of your budget because that's when you have fellowship with other believers. You meet at a coffee shop. You meet to eat lunch. You meet to eat dinner. And that's good and healthy for you. So 
eating out is one of the most expensive things you can do, but sometimes as a young person, it's one of the most healthy things you can do because yeah. that's when you're with other people. Yeah. So think about that. But you may want to choose wisely between, you know, going to the very expensive Ruth's Chris Steakhouse or... Yep. <laughs> Or <laughs> if you're going to go, you know, to a deli or something yeah. like that is cheaper. Uh, clothing, depending on if you're a shopaholic or you believe in retail therapy, you need to look at that. You know, mm -hmm. I am a firm believer, like if it's still a good shirt, I don't care if it's last season's shirt, you know, yeah. and stuff like that. But you can spend ridiculous amount of money if you're a mall person on oh, yeah. clothing. So think about that and really shouldn't be over 2 to 7% of your budget on, on clothing. Um, you guys are young and healthy, so you don't have to worry about as much for medical. So, you know, medical is probably 3% of what you're going to spend. But uh, as you get older, that may be as much as 25 or more percent of your budget may be on medical yeah. needs. Um, and then you've got savings, which you want to do. Um, and we'll talk maybe about this in just a minute because you're going to, you know, at that first big job that you have, you've got a lot of forms you're going to fill out. One of those is going to be about a retirement account. Yeah. And so I would say yes. Do it. The goal for uh, Dave Ramsey is 15% of your income going into a retirement account for savings that you want to put back. Hmm. And then there's savings that is for, I just want a new car. Dave Ramsey would say, save it first and then pay cash for the event rather than financing. Anytime you're financing, you're paying twice or more for that thing because you're paying the bank to yeah. use their money. Uh, far greater for you to save your money for the new computer, for the car, for, you know, a gift for Christmas, whatever it may be, and then just pay cash for it uh, rather than financing it or putting on uh, your credit card, mm. of which the, um, you know, interest rates on credit cards are far more than even loans. So that's a very poor way to finance anything is on a credit card. Don't do that. And then um, many of you guys all have school debt. Yep. And so think about paying that off as quickly and as fast as you can, but anywhere from five to 15% of your salary probably will go to paying off school loans or other things like that right at the beginning. Yeah. I mean, you hit basically all of my questions that I had. Uh -huh. <laughs> the only last one I had was talking about retirement funds and the differences between yeah. those different types and, and functions and those kind of yeah. things. It is good to start off with the end in mind, which is retirement, but let's go back to the beginning where it kind of starts. So in that first job, you're going to be handed this stack of papers yeah. to fill out and your eyes are going to roll back in your head because you're going to go, I don't even know what a FICA is and you know, yeah. what's SNS and, and, and all these kind of terms that yeah. you will see that they're requesting. And so every paycheck that you have usually has 18% that is taken out by the government before you even get it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what FICA is. It's a tax. Uh, yeah. That's what SS is, Social Security. It's a tax for retirement. That's also what um, you know, Medicare, which is a government tax, again, for taking care of medical things. And then you have state taxes, too. We're Tennessee, so we don't have income tax, but we do have other taxes. So, like, all those things are about 18% of your paycheck that are going to go away before you see it, which is why you get that first paycheck and you're like, holy cow, I thought I was making really a lot of money. And now I look at this uh, and go, not as much. Mm. <laughs> Who stole it? <laughs> yeah. So those things are uh, things that they're going to do regardless. Yeah. I would say that you do need to go ahead and have your federal taxes withheld on uh, that way when tax day comes on April 15th or 18th this year, like you're not 
dying because you can't pay the bill yeah. and you've already spent it. Yeah. So it's always good to go ahead and put a little bit back yeah. and then they will ask you how much you want to put back. Uh, and so you can put a percentage there and usually it takes a few years of your income. You don't get to switch these every day and your employer it usually takes it. You're allowed to up it every year, change it every year. Mm-hmm. And retirement plans. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You need to do that wisely. Um, but you can tweak it as you go. You know, the first year, maybe you withhold a little bit more um, taxes and then you get a good refund and you're like, hey, I don't have to withhold as much taxes and then my refund won't be as big at the end of the year, but I would be able to spend my money yeah. in the year. So those are things you think about. Um, the medical thing is also going to be something you're going to have to decide and you get to do that once a year. Yep. Take advantage of everything that your company or, or employer gives you. Um, because many employers have medical plans and mm-hmm. they'll pay a percentage of that medical plan. So you want to go ahead and invest in that. But this is an important part. The government has all these little things. If you ever do your own taxes, you'll learn their stuff. So there's a medical savings account that you have, health yep. savings account, an yep. HSA. And an HSA is when basically your employer is putting money in for your medical insurance. And they're giving it to you to save. So they're holding it, but that money is actually yours. That's why it's called a savings account, a health savings account. When you're young, if you start putting money in an HSA, you'll have quite a bit of money by the time you get old. And it's yours. So you hang on to that. So if you don't have to go to the doctor, you don't have to spend that. That money actually is a savings account. It has to be used for medical things, though. But it will stay with your employer and it will be there. Like... My generation, a lot of us have an FSA, which is a flexible spending account mm. for medical expenses. So a flexible spending account is my money that I set aside without paying taxes on it. This is the important part. These are things that come out of your paycheck before you already pay taxes on it, which lowers your income, which means you don't have to pay as much income tax. So a flexible spending account, I can put that aside and I can use that on any medical expenses I have, including like my co-pays and other things like that. So Mm -hmm. if it's $25 for me to see the doctor, I can spend it out of that flexible spending account. And that comes out before taxes, which is why it's important to invest. The problem with that, as with all government things, is there's stipulations. Always. So it's a use it or lose it. Mm -hmm. So if you put like, $10,000 $10,000 in there because you're like, oh, this is great. I put $10,000 in there and it's not taxed. Well, if you don't use $10,000 in a year in medical expenses, it's lost. Yep. You don't get that. So that's the difference between a flexible spending account and a medical or a health savings account. Health savings account, you keep. Flexible spending account, you have to use it within a year. Mm-hmm. And I would say when you're young, you may see the doctor once or twice a year. I mean, you're really not going to have to put a lot in there. As you yeah. get older, yeah. you'll know more of what your expenses are. And for a young person, it would be things like this. Um, say I want to have cataract surgery, which a lot of people have now, LASIK, to help mm-hmm. my vision. Well, that's not an immediate a medical need. It's a medical need that you can plan for. And you can say, well, that surgery costs this amount of money, so I'm going to put that in my flexible spending account. Yeah. And then it'll come out pre-tax and I can have the surgery next year. Yeah. Um, so things like that are what you can use it more. You can say, I go to the dentist twice a year 
and my dentist charges this and my, you know, and so I add that together and I say, I'll put that in a flexible spending account because I'm going to go to the dentist twice a year. I know that. Yeah. And then, um, there's things like you don't plan for like a broken arm or like a broken foot. And those are harder to plan for. And so you just, for those, those are probably things that are going to come out of your pocket and not out of flexible spending account unless you got the money there. So those are things that you kind of sign up on, um, for on that first day. But you asked specifically about retirement. Most employers will have a 403B, uh, um, an IRA account, or they're going to have some kind of retirement account for you. Okay. Okay. What you want to make sure you do from the get-go is if your if your employer is putting any money into your system, or they will match any money, you make sure that you're putting at least that much in, That's right. so that you get the full amount of money that they're going to get. So a lot of companies will say, "Hey, we'll do we'll match up to five percent, ten percent, fifteen percent." That means if they'll match five percent, you put in five percent, and then you got ten. Mm-hmm. You know, like yes. so whatever they will do, you match it if they will, and that's all in your company benefits. You have to read the the employee policy handbook. Ew. I know. (laughs) It's the worst thing in the world, right? (laughs) If you have a good human resource person, they're going to tell you some of these things. Yeah. But a lot of times I'll I'll warn you, your human resource person will say, I can't help you make the decision. I can only present to you the decision that you've got to make because it's illegal for them to sway you one way or the other. Um, and, but a good human resources person will explain like, Hey, we do matching at our company. Yeah. And then when they said it, and they give you the big eyes, like we do matching. Yeah. And I would also <laughs> say <laughs> by the same token, some companies today also match your donations to nonprofits. Yeah. So check that out. Cause if you have a favorite nonprofit uh, that you give to that, you know, yeah. BCM, Habitat for Humanity, <laughs> uh, CAR Ministries here in Knoxville. If you have a favorite nonprofit that you're giving to already every year, like how much better would it be if you advise your yeah. employer of that and your employer says, yeah. I'm going to give to CARM to you because you gave you know this amount. So check those things too that you don't want to um, miss out on. Especially recently, it's become way more um, PC to give to nonprofits and yeah. to fund nonprofit work. And so yeah. I have no doubt there are a lot more companies that are jumping on board with the yeah. the charity matching. Well. The reality is most companies want to reflect what's important to their people when it comes to the community. So like an employer, that's one of the ways they're gauging. My employees are giving to this nonprofit. They believe in this nonprofit. Mm -hmm. And therefore, as a company, it would be wise for me to also invest in that nonprofit instead of like choosing another that none of my employees care about. Oh, yeah. 100%. Well, are there any closing thoughts notions I, anything else i just thought of another thing that that's fine go about, for it about retirement so you know that's what your employer does we've talked about but you can also set up a retirement account for yourself it's called an ira and oh, our, yeah, yeah. an ira is an individual retirement account which basically means the government allows you to put money aside for your own retirement and there are two kinds of iras the first ira is a traditional ira which means that i earned the money i paid taxes on it when i got it and i um i'm sorry the traditional is I earn the money and I'm going to put it into this traditional IRA. And when I take it out, I will have to pay taxes on it. Got it. But if I take it, if I put it in directly in there, it, in my paycheck, I can not take be charged the, yeah. for that. Like I'll get the money uh, pre-tax. 
Got whatever. It. So with the traditional, you'll have to pay tax on it when you're 80 or whatever it is and you're retiring, you're, you're going to have to pay tax. Well, the government changed their mind later on and said, hey, it would be really cool if we put money in that we've already paid taxes on and then when we get it out, you don't have to pay taxes on right. it. So obviously with the, anything in savings and investment, you're hoping <laughs> that it's going to make more yep. and you're going to have more when you get it out. So you want to pay taxes before, before it goes in. not after. Back, so that's yeah. called a Roth. So a Roth IRA is that. It's also how much you can put in a Roth is depend on how much you make that year and how old you are. So like if you only made $2,000, you can't put more than $2,000 into an IRA. Right, they right. They won't let right. you do that because they're going to go, where's the other? If you only made $2,000, how'd you put $3,000 in there? They're like, <laughs> where'd you get that other 1000 So <laughs> you can't do that. But what I would say is like when you're young, it's like $5,000 or something like that. When As you get older, it goes up to $7,000, $8,000, you know, on up yeah. as you get older and you can put more in. But when you're young, saving adds up. So even if it's $500 is all you can spare in a year to put into an IRA, you should do it because when you're at retirement age, that $500 is going to mean so much more than the $5,000 you put in when you're 55 and you're yeah. like, ooh, retirement's just around the corner. What have I got to do? You know, like... Already, your five hundreds earn more uh, than the five thousand would have oh, yeah. through, through time. So save early, save a lot, and save early. Oh yeah, I think I I totally agree with that. I, my wife and I, when we first were married, I was um, I was a grad student, and so I got a stipend, and basically we could live off of half mm-hmm. to a little over half of what I made, and so we banked her salary every year for like four years yeah and we bought a house right out of the thing and it it, it, yeah we weren't hurting when we did it either we weren't stretching our means it was just we were able to do it so i highly recommend what you're saying like find a way to do that well and that's a great example too zach because uh, a lot of people say like hey what's the difference between owning a house and apartment and what i would say is like if you're planning on staying in the community a house is is a good investment because that money that you're putting into that mortgage every month is creating an investment property for you. Mm -hmm. You have that. If you're just paying rent, you don't have an investment property. What I would say though is like if you're not planning on living in a community over two to three years, you probably shouldn't buy a house because there's a lot of upkeep on a house. You've got to mow the yard. I mean, you're the one who's going to have to make the repairs. Whereas if you're in an apartment and the Washing machine or the washing machine or dishwasher, whatever breaks, you call the apartment. Yeah, you just call somebody. You just call them. And so um, it depends on how long you're living in an area. And it also depends on how quickly the housing market turns over. Mm -hmm. We're in Knoxville. Knoxville's a big city. The housing market here turns over frequently. If you're in a rural country, you know, rural city or town out there, like the housing market doesn't turn over very frequently. People stay pretty much in their houses. They're not coming and yeah. going from your community a whole lot. So you also have to think about that um, a little bit on whether you should rent or whether you should own. Oh, yeah, 100%. Well, as we close up, is there any other final thoughts that you have, Rodney? Well, there's like these are just little snippets of things that I would say um, Hit that you kind of we'll need to look at. Another one that you might want to think about is life insurance, um, and a lot of your employees will provide life insurance. Um, so I would suggest doing. You know, if your employee yeah. provides life insurance, that's great. Um, but if your employer does not, it is at least good to have a term life insurance plan so that if something unfortunate happens to you, your family can pay for a funeral and they can pay for your 
you know, closing out your estate and all that stuff, and it doesn't put them in a in a financial hardship. And what um, most people would say is you um, you want an insurance policy that is about you know ten times your salary. So if you make you know so much in a year, just multiply that by ten. That's about the size policy you need, and that will help you. Um, know what kind of plan you may need for that. I will say a word of caution. There are life insurance plans out there that are also called kind of like savings plans too. Yeah. Uh, and those are usually not a very financially good investment because you'd be better off just investing your funds like with, um, you know, in the stock market or other things like that than you would be using a life insurance company right. for that. Right. So it's not too good. Another kind of caution is like annuity funds and things like that, which are often funds that have maybe load feeds or they play things a little closer, but they actually uh, are using your money, but they're taking a portion of your money to use it is kind of the way I look at it. Mm-hmm. Like, you want to use companies that are actually, they earn based upon whether you earn or not. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like, uh, you know, their incentive is, is raised Yeah, when they earn if you earn and they lose if you lose. Whereas if you're just getting loads and fees and different stuff like that for people to use your money and it doesn't matter to that financial company that you have, that's not too good because... There's no incentive on their behalf for your money to do well. Yeah. And you want your money to do um, the work for well. you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, another one we mentioned this just briefly is like Dave Ramsey says, have an emergency fund. And yep. I would say, even as a college student, yep. have an emergency fund. Second thought. Uh, Amen. <laughs> well, typically, college students are driving mom and dad's or grandparents' hand me down cars. Yes. <laughs> and hand-me-down cars break down. That's what they do, you know. So, like, having that is essential for you to keep your job and other things like that. And um, cars can be reliable and cannot be, but they can also be a hole. So, yeah. it looks great to have the new car as soon as you get the new job. But the truth is, probably drive the old car for a while. Yep. And then save up money for the car that you want. That's right. And I'd also say, you know, we're living in a rough economy. So, think about your gas mileage. Like, for guys, a lot of times we want that truck. The reality is how much do in we Tennessee, actually 100%, need? Yeah. yeah, how much do we really need that $50,000 truck? Right. And you're like, uh, twice a year I haul mulch to the house. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, and so you're just like, that's probably, or it's to pull my boat, which yeah. like, maybe that's more of a decent reason. But um, think about that. And since I mentioned boat, that's another thing. Think about your toys. Your toys cost a lot. Yeah. And think uh, sometimes about whether I should just rent that luxury or whether I really can afford that luxury and really how much I would use it. Yeah. Because a lot of us have these great intentions and like, I want a boat because I'll go to the lake every weekend. And the reality is you may go to three, three weekends out of the year in the summertime, you get to go to the lake and you're like, and the rest of the time that's sitting in my garage and paying insurance on it and having to do all that kind of stuff so think very carefully about your luxuries that you spend um money on because that's a part of being within your margins it may not just be within your ability to do that um yeah 100 and i even tag on because you said toys that a lot of guys that graduate through us love video games and we love the newest console maybe think about phones or you know the ability bad for exactly And on layaway plan, not layaway, but you know what I mean, financing plans that can kind of burn you if you don't look into them some more. So all those things, buying a new computer so that you can play the game that you want or buying the 
latest console, it's not going to kill you to have the one that came out last year rather than the yeah. one that came out this year. It's still just as good. You know? <laughs> and, and kind of my wrap up with this too and living within your means is uh, again back to kind of the giving away. Giving money away breaks the power of money over That's you. right. Because it's easy for all of us to have greed, even when we think, oh, I'm not greedy about anything. How oh, When you go and see things that other people have, it's easy to do the comparison game. And it's easy to say, oh, I want that car, I want that house, or you know, I want to redecorate, or I want to yeah. do this. And the, all those things cost a lot of money, same with new clothes. So keep that in mind as you do things, and think about breaking the power of money over you. Hmm. One of the ways that you can do that is through giving. And I know... I mean, giving nonprofits, giving tithe, but I mean, also think about like Christmas, you know, now that you're out and have your own job or whatever like that, you know, all these years, your parents have been giving you Christmas gifts, but have you really been thinking about giving them gifts back? Or have you really been thinking about other people in your family that you could gift? The same is true for like meals, you know, usually as a college student, you're the one that's going like, Hey man, I'm always like mooching off somebody to get a meal but think about that like I've got my yeah. first job like who is somebody that maybe is on the fringe or doesn't seem to have a lot of friends or somebody that I could offer to take out to lunch or that I could offer to pay for a meal for yeah. them and um, the same for emergencies we, we live in a world right now where we see natural disasters all the time um, as you have finances and as God blesses you how can you bless other people and it may mean like hey the tornado victims, I want to give something to. You know, I want to give through disaster yeah. relief or something. Yeah. Uh, it can be relief for refugees in Ukraine right now. All those things are not things that are going to affect you directly, but it breaks the power of money when you're able to give it away yeah. into good causes, into things that you've researched, always researched when it comes to charities. <laughs> yeah, no but, kidding. Yeah. Um, but that will break the power of money and will cause you not to be, you know, Ebenezer Scrooge and a hoarder and, you know, somebody who's really yeah. uh, stingy with yeah. their money. And even think about, it's the last thing I'll add and then we'll close it out. Even think about if you have that significant other mm-hmm. or if you have that spouse, you need to have a place in your budget to make sure you're taking care of them. Mm-hmm. Because oftentimes we use our money for all these other things and then especially as guys, we think, oh, I forgot to plan that we need a date in a, yeah. every two weeks or every week you yeah. know and you need to keep that up so go ahead and put it in the budget go ahead and keep it as something that you need to be thinking about trust me it will pay dividends in the long <laughs> run play the long game just like we said before yeah well guys thank you so much for listening to us rodney thank you so much for helping us dive into this and answer some questions that we've had a lot of college students seek us out for in the last couple of years So guys, like, subscribe, leave us a review so that more people can find it and more people can be blessed by this podcast. We'll see you later. Bye.